0: We're going to be picking back up this morning uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to be picking back up where we left off two weeks ago. As you, if you were with us last week, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary of when the church started. It was just, just a couple of us, 10 years ago, in a house, then the Ramada, and, uh, and God has just been adding to the church, and we've been able to minister to many over the years, and it's just uh, been a blessing to see God uh, working in and through so many lives over the years. And as we continue here at Calvary Chapel, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And so you know exactly where I leave off on a Sunday the next week if I'm teaching You know where I'm picking right back up so you can follow along. If you need to catch up on the 1st and 2nd Timothy books, go back and you can catch that on our website. And you can go back and listen and watch the teaching of those. We find ourselves here in the story, this part of the letter here in 2nd Timothy... The Apostle Paul is in Rome, in jail, writing to his young protege, the pastor named Timothy, who is overseeing and watching over the church in Ephesus. And throughout 1 Timothy and also in the letter for 2 Timothy, we see that Paul continues to encourage this young man in the ministry because it's not easy to be in the ministry. False teachers are coming into the church. People are persecuting. Timothy's seeing this this man he's looked up to and has taught him to be in the ministry and taught him everything he probably knows about the things of God and now is back in jail once again. And it's probably very obvious to many and the word's getting out that we'll see here and soon right after this letter Paul dies to the, by the execution of Rome. That doesn't stop Paul to write this letter to Timothy, to encourage him in the faith, especially here at this end of the, this part and in chapter 2, he continues in chapter 1 and chapter 2, teaching Timothy and reminding Timothy to remember things, Timi- Timothy, of the things that I've been teaching you. And he writes them out in this letter because not only does it, it pertains to him as a pastor, as an elder, as a minister here in Ephesus, but it pertains to the Christian life for you and for me. That there are things that God teaches us that we must remember. How quickly we can be taught something and it will if it don't seed it in and, and actually practice and apply it to your life, it can just kind of go through one ear and throughout the next. For some, it may not even penetrate your ears because you're so tuned out. Or your heart is so hardened or find yourself hard and you're just really skeptical about the things of God because you haven't seen Him show up in your life. Well, your meth- the message is for you today. So as we take a look at this, I'm going to draw your attention to ch- uh, verse 7 where we left off last time in Second Timothy. And we're looking to the Lord of understanding what is going on in this culture that he was dealing with, uh, Timothy, in in, uh, Ephesus, but around the known world at that time. But Paul says to Timothy, "'Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things.'" What all things? Well, well, go back and read the, the rest of the first part of chapter 2 and, and in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. Go back to 1 Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy, and read throughout those. He, Paul's laying it all out for him so he doesn't forget. It's in writing for him to not only to read and reread, but to share with the congregation there in Ephesus. And we left off last time there, and he says, I don't understand the Bible, many people will say. I just don't understand the Bible. I attempt to read it, but it doesn't make sense to me. Or it might be that you are thinking of or people will say, I just can't get it. I get it sometimes, but I don't get it others. It depends. If I read it on the Bible on my own, I don't get it. But when I come to church, it seems to be so clear and simple to understand at that point in time. But I can't seem to get it when I read on my own. It might be a question for you. That you're always asking, why am I not getting it when I read the scripture? Well, I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever considered what you're reading? When you open the Bible, do you really understand what you're reading? That's the question you have to ask. Because you have and you have to understand that you need to slow down and actually talk to God while you are reading the word of God. I think as we're talking through and I, I spend time with men around the table listening to them or around here in the, on a Sunday and I hear some of the challenges, most of the time I'm finding is that you're just not in the Word of God. But if you're in the Word of God, you're just not hearing from God because you're maybe not understanding how best to go about doing it. So here in verse 7 is a key verse that Paul is telling to Timothy. You need to ponder on what I'm teaching you, Timothy, and make sure you understand it so that you can then speak of it and apply it and help others who are not getting it. We know that when we meditate on God's word, we have prosperity and good success from spending time in the word of God. How do we know that? Well, the Bible tells us so. One of the verses is Joshua. If you go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you then you will have good success. Many times people wonder how you can have a a successful life but many times we always base it upon the amount of money you have and the stuff you have but I'm talking about a content and a a, a joyful and a peaceful life in this world of that's in chaos well you can many of us experience that because we meditate on God's word day and night a little here, a little there. We meditate on it and we apply it to our lives. We see it also in Psalm 1 two, But in his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. So what does that mean? Well, Paul says it to Timothy here in chapters, I mean verse 7. He says, consider the things I've been writing to you. Consider the things, the Word of God. Not only consider it, but at the end of that, it will give the Lord will give you understanding in all things that you read. But the question is, what does meditation mean? It can be a hindrance to for many. Because many people think of the Eastern meditation where they teach you to look at your navel in some weird position and then empty yourself of every thought that you can possibly be until you become one with the universe. But that is not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is the complete opposite of that Eastern meditation that's out there in false religions. Biblical meditation means, in a Hebrew word for meditation, means it's linked to a perfect example of what Paul early spoke to about being an athlete and being a teacher and being a, uh, being a, a farmer. He uses a word, a, a Hebrew word here for meditation, like a cow that chews its cud. A cow that constantly rechews, or re-chews the food that he's digested and sends it through through those four stomachs that a cow has. Or a one stomach with four chambers, however you want to look at it. But that cow will take the food in, digest it, brings it back in somehow, and redigests it. It's always chewing on the cud. That's what, that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, I need you to take the word of God and I need you to chew on it for a while. And then re-chew on it for a while. And redigest it and... And over a period of time, what you're going to do is you're going to get the full nutrients from the what you have partaked in of what you've read. That's really what it comes down to. If we would take the word of God, the scripture of the word of God, and we would just read the passage, stop and consider what you just read one verse at a time. Not about you. There are sometimes at nighttime I have to go one word at a time because I'm so exhausted from the day. Or that early in the morning you're just I, wording, reading one word at a time because you just don't want to just read it for the sake of reading it. But you read it, you stop, you consider what you just read, reread it again, reread it again, again. Chew on it for a while, think about through it, meditate on it. Lord, what did speak to? Lord, what does that mean? Chew on it, read on it again. Lord, I want to know what this means. How does that apply to my life? And all of a sudden, what you're gonna do is you're gonna think this through, you're gonna pray through this, and all of a sudden we see right there in verse 7: Lord will give you understanding in these things. So I say that I take the time to re kind of hit this verse again because I want you to get every ounce of nourishment from the word of God. God is faithful, and he doesn't his word does not return void. When you partake of what he has for you, it will nourish your soul. Then you will feel and experience the joy and the peace that maybe some of you are not been experiencing. Even in time of trouble and turmoil and persecution, you can have joy and peace that the, God, that the God of the Bible tells us. Now as we continue here in verse 8, Paul says to Timothy, "Remember, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. You can go back and look, and I don't see anywhere in any manuscript the word that. I see only remember Jesus Christ of the seed of David. He's saying, Timothy, I know you know this. I know you hear this. And I know if I was there, you might say, yeah, Paul, I already know that. I know that about God. No, no, no. Listen to me, Timothy. You need to remember Jesus Christ when you're going through the challenges of being a minister and going through life. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, your Savior. Don't get your eyes on the people. Don't get your eyes on what's going on around the world with them. Don't get your eyes on the situation you're dealing with and the things that are not going your way, the way you thought they were going to be. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he is your, the one you're following. He's the one that saved you. And he had to remind you, he is the seed of David. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah that was been talked about all the way through the Old Testament. This is him that you follow who was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Not according to Paul the Apostle's gospel, but it was his gospel. That's why he says, the gospel I have been sharing, which is the truth, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Christ. That he's the one that died on the cross for our sins, for the sin of the world. He's the one that was raised from the dead. On the third day, he is alive. That's my, my gospel. I've been saying to everybody and anybody who will listen. Timothy, be just like that. Tell everybody who Jesus is and what he has done for them. He's made a way for them to be forgiven of all their sins. And anyone who would believe will be forgiven and have eternal life. What better news can you tell anybody than that? That you've been forgiven. And you're going to be have eternal life. What, anything else promising is, is so temporary compared to that good news of the gospel. So he says here, be strong in the grace Timothy. But early on in chapter in chapter 2 there you'll look back. He says, "Be strong in the grace, Timothy. Be like that teacher that Steward I was telling you about. Be like the athlete I was telling you about. Be like the farmer I was telling you. You need to be have that same mindset, that same attitude as a athlete who is going to go through the pain, the suffering and the consistent practice and working out day after day after day because that you want want to win that competition. That's how you have to be, Timothy. You have to be like the farmer, Timothy, who is patiently sowing and sowing and then watering and watering and waiting for the harvest, patiently waiting to see if there's going to be fruit from the crops this year. And then you have to harvest it all. Takes time, it's not easy, but it's so worth it. Remember Timothy, meditate, slow down, slow down, just read the word, understand, remember Jesus Christ. Do not take him out of any factor of your life. See, Paul did not give this warning to Timothy. Because he thought Timothy was going to easily forget Jesus Christ, his Savior. But he's telling Timothy because he needed to remind him to keep this at the forefront of the message that he was going to be out there doing day in and day out in the ministry. We can get wrapped up in prophecy at many times. We can get wrapped up in, in the past and in in You know the beginning of times, and we can get wrapped in all kinds of things. But you can get to a point where you get wrapped up into the the doxology or the theology or all these Hebrew versus the Latin and all those things, and lose complete sight of who Jesus Christ is to you personally. It can, and it happens. And you don't want that to happen. And then Paul's telling him, we don't want you to do that, Timothy. Timothy, you need to keep the fact that Jesus was the Messiah of Israel, the seed of David. Do not let that go. You need to make sure people know that this is, this is the Christ. And it has to be a reminder, to, not only to Timothy, but to, for you and I. But it, always, it was always God's plan of rescuing mankind was through Jesus Christ. That's always been the plan. It didn't didn't just start when he became a baby. It started before that, before the beginning of of creation. God had a plan. This is not just started in Bethlehem. This is the history that looked forward to for Jesus, the Christ, to come and save the world. Paul says, Timothy, you you have to also remember we don't serve, we don't worship a dead God. We worship alive, a living God, a living Savior. He's alive, he's been resurrected from the dead. That's our hope, that's our promise. So don't forget these things, Timothy. Remember that Jesus was the first one ever uh, uh, resurrected. Jesus' friend Lazarus wasn't resurrected, he was resuscitated. Only Jesus, our Savior, was resurrected. So don't forget this, Timothy. Make sure you go there because he is the one. It is all about him. I don't, we're going to be coming up on uh, Easter soon. Many people don't understand the message. Of Resurrection Sunday, they call it Easter. To try to take out the understanding, the meaning of why we celebrate that day. We celebrate His resurrection because we serve a living God. Jesus' resurrection was the proof that though it looked like He had died on the cross like a common criminal that was to the left and to the right of Him, but it was not. He actually died as a, a man who became sin for us, out of love for us, out of a self-sacrificing love for us. Because he bared this guilt of our shame and sin on us, on him. And that was the payment you have to understand, when he went to the cross, he paid the penalty of our sin. Someone's going to pay it. It was us that was going to pay that penalty for our sin. But there's a way where someone else says, I'll pay it for you. Now, that took a while for me to get understand that as a 20-year-old man, to understand God that i didn't just I only just now know I just I'm just starting a relationship with how did why would he die for my wicked sins that I've done all these it didn't make sense to me but by faith I come to understand and by faith I continue to grow and mature in that understanding and I keep it really kind of simple the fact that he paid for my penalty for my sin that was on the cross and the receipt that proved that he paid it was his resurrection. That he's alive. And that he wants a personal relationship with me. And that's why it's so important to remember the, good, the gospel, the good news. The best news was not about more money. It wasn't about more love or more status or more fame or more status anything. The good news was there's a real relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus' cross on the cross. Christ going to the cross and resurrected is the best news you could ever ponder on day in and day out. And he did it for you. He certainly didn't come for some glamorous ministry. (laughs) It wasn't a glamorous ministry for him. That three years on the ministry on the trail was not easy at all. We see that in the scriptures all throughout that. So the question is, how do you remember Jesus? We see in the scripture in Luke chapter 22, verses 19, Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus helped us out, my brothers and sisters, by giving us communion. When he gave that bread and that wine to his disciples in that upper room, he says, do this in remembrance of me. He set a path and a pattern for you and I to remember today that as we take communion, we are always remembering what he has done for us on the cross. It also reminds us that he's resurrected and he lives today to intercede for you because he loves you. And as we come to the table, my brothers and sisters, and remember who Jesus Christ is to you and who do you say that I am, remember that statement? When Jesus was with his disciples and says, what do people say who I am? Well, you're this and you're that and you're a prophet. And you're, it goes on and on. But he says, that doesn't matter. Who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what your mom and dad says. It doesn't matter what your buddy or your friend or your, or your spouse says. All that matters is the question is, do you answer, how do you answer the question? Who do you say that I am? And if you remember Peter, good old Peter, you remember Peter's statement, he got it right that time, didn't he? He says, you're the Christ of God. You're the Messiah that we've been waiting for. You're the one I've been following. He got it right. He remembered these things that Jesus was teaching him As one of his disciples. Not only the fact that the work that Jesus did on the cross, but that he has risen and that he lives in you today as a believer. Do you know that the Spirit of God lives inside you as a believer? That he's with you 24-7? Do you know that? Do you realize God sent a helper, the Holy Spirit, to live within a believer To help you to understand the word of God and to apply that to your life I hope you're there I hope you're maturing and growing to a point where that is so solidified in your mind there's no question in your mind how God can speak to your heart and guide your life and I stake the time to say this because now look at verse 9 because Paul is telling Timothy young Timothy this truth of who Jesus Christ is, is not just so I can call myself, I'm a Christian. Because just by saying to yourself, you're a Christian, doesn't make you a Christian. You understand that. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they're not Christians. Their life reflects the fact that they're not a Christian. Because they don't follow the word of God. They have no desire to even know who God is. They don't seek after them. They don't read the scripture. They don't even spend the time and they don't go to church to get around people who do. So Paul tells Timothy, keep Jesus right in the forefront of every message that you have. And the reason I say that, Timothy, because for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. He says, Timothy... The reason I go out there and give the gospel and do what I've been doing and sharing and teaching the word of God to everybody who will listen. There were consequences and I am proving it today. I'm in jail writing this letter to you. He was thrown in jail because of the fact that he was teaching the truth of God. But look at the promise here. Look at the the hope and just the joy of, of, of Paul at this moment. He says, I suffer trouble as an evildoer. That Greek word for evildoer is only seen one other place in the scripture. Do you know where? The description of the two thieves that was on one on the left and on the right side of him. It's the only other place in the scripture you see that exact same Greek word. He was counted as a criminal. He says, that's how I, I, I'm, I'm viewed, I'm seen, and I've been treated, Paul. Paul is saying to Timothy, but notice this, even to the point of change, which he was, but notice that, but the word of God is not chained. It's not bound. It's not restricted. It's not limited like I am right now in this jail. This gospel did not bring Paul a life of glamour or ease whatsoever. It brought him a life full of adventure and challenge, yes, but a life also marked with suffering. And it was around this time, if you remember your history, that during this period, very troubling period of time while he was in jail, Rome was on fire. It was reported that Nero set fire to his own city in the poor sections of the city. He had some twisted urban renewal program that he wanted to play out on his people. History also says that when that fire destroyed the vast neighborhoods of the poor, Nero then turned around and blamed the Christians that it was them who started the fire in Rome. To get the people to turn on the Christians. And then he was, then they were arrested. Many of them were arrested and killed and tortured. Perhaps Paul was part of that gathering. That spirit that you just heard me say, and how a leader of a, a nation could do such wickedness is not, is not a one-time occurrence. We see that being played out, that same spirit being played out today in all of our nations. So don't be surprised as a Christian if they do not turn on us, blaming us for things that is not our fault. But don't be shocked either. (laughs) Don't be shocked either. Any true follower of Jesus Christ will be willing to suffer with Jesus and those who are determined never to suffer as a Christian never to suffer for Jesus may admire him from a distance there I like Jesus I got him on my wall but they do not genuinely follow him but it's so important in verse 9 that we understand what Paul is saying here about the Bible. The word of God is not chained. Paul's wrists are chained. His ankles are probably chained. He is in, in, in absolutely strapped down mode. But understand that even though he was shackled in the chains, that did not stop him from writing the word of God and sending that out to Timothy and to those at the church. The Bible has been attacked more than any other book ever recorded in history. It's been burned. The Bible has been banned. The Bible has been mocked. It's been twisted. It's been changed and altered, ignored. You name it, the Bible has gone through it, but it still stands today. Why? Because it's God's word. His word even says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And it will stand forever. No government, no religious authorities, no skeptics, no scientists, no philosophers No book burners are going to take out the Word of God. They cannot do it. They will never do it because it's God's Word. And yes, in a sense, if you want to say that the Word of God is bound in any way, this is what I believe it is bound when it is abandoned in the pulpit. The only time the Word of God is abandoned in this world today is because the people who stand behind a pulpit stop teaching the Word of God. Instead, you stand there, you sit there, and you listen to some teaching from a pulpit, and it sounds like some self-help book that's on the bestseller of the New York Times. It's something that they, they put out there that looks like some sprinkling of some spice on something are about to serve you, or some sprinkles to make you feel good. But they're not teaching the word of God. They're just coming up with some self-help, some psychobabble that makes you feel good so that you keep coming back and keep giving money. I assure you, my brothers and sisters, That will not happen while I'm standing behind this pulpit. You're going to get the whole counsel of God regardless if you like it or not. Even if it hurts. Because out of love, how could I not teach you the truth that will set your soul free? There is nothing out there except what the promise of the Word of God says. And that is, you want this twisted head of yours that you think wicked things and do all kinds of crazy stuff? Do you want that transformed? Do you want that changed? Only through the reading of the Word of God will that take place. It's the only way. And so why would I tell you any other news but the good news? Of who Jesus Christ and what He's done for you. I won't, because I'm not going to stand up here and give you self-help books, and I'm not going to sit there and give you sprinkles and and whipped cream and a little cherry on top to make you feel good, so you'll come back another day. You'll come back because you're fed, and you know you've been changed, and you know that the, the you know the Spirit of God has touched your heart. Because I don't know you all the details. But God does and that's all that matters verse 10 that's why Paul says so why do I go through what I do with the chains and being thrown in jail and persecution half dead I have so many times in my ministry why does Paul endure this of the consequences of sharing the gospel he says it right there in verse 10 therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Look at these words, my brothers and sisters. Paul says, I'm willing to go through this, Timothy. I hope you are too. Because I, I do this not for the sake of God. Notice this. I don't do this for the sake of God. I do this for the sake of the elect. Those who are going to be saved, already saved, and the ones who are going to be, going to be saved, that is why I endure the persecution and the, the prison time and everything else. Because I know what it has done in my life. I want to go out there and help as many people as I can with the truth. That's what propels Paul to go through what he's gone through. And he says, Timothy, I hope you do the same thing. I hope you just pour your life out and help as many people as you can for them to know who Jesus Christ is and be saved. To receive, to obtain salvation, which is only found in the relationship with Christ Jesus. But not only do you receive Jesus and start that relationship with him, but you will get with him eternal glory. Eternal glory. Not temporary glory. Not what temporary little things that the world has tries to offer you, but eternal glory. Paul spent his whole life just sitting there after he got saved, pouring out and pouring out into people's lives so that they could obtain salvation. And then he kept pouring into their lives to disciple them up so that they would mature in their understanding of what God says in his word so that their lives would be transformed. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. He was committed to that mission. And nothing was going to deter him. Not even being threatened and going into jail again because he understood that a relationship with Jesus was everything, and the fact that he was going to receive eternal glory, he says, how would you go and live a life anything other than that? The Bible tells us there is a glory that belongs to the people of God in eternity, that is greater than any glory that the earth would have to offer you. First Peter chapter five, verse 10, says, "But many, the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, established, strengthened and settled, you. The grace of God. Simply put, you start a relationship with Jesus. you automatically, as a child of God, have eternal glory ahead of you. Absent from this body, you'll be in the presence of your Lord and you'll be given a new body and you will dwell with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords for the rest of eternity. I know most of us can't get our heads around that because you don't even know how to get through the day. But let me tell you, my brothers and my sisters, if you can only get through the day, make sure it's with him. Because he'll walk you through that difficult day. And the next day, and the next day, until he calls you home. That's our promise that we have. That's the promise that Paul had. That's why we see in verse 11 through 13, Paul describes the gospel with a faithful saying. There are five faithful sayings in the scripture. This is the one of them of five. The rest of the five are found in the other pastoral epistle letters. Look and read this with me. This is a faithful saying For if we died with him, Jesus Christ, we shall also live with him. That's a promise. It's not a question, uh, maybe, possible. No. If you died with him, we shall live with, also live with him. Verse 12. If we endure, continue, continue the race, continue planting, continue teaching, continuing the labor. If you continue, if you endure through the persecution, what's going on, we shall also reign with him. When we come back with Jesus to this earth after the tribulation and Jesus sets his feet right there in the Mount of Islets and we're coming back with him, we will reign with him during that thousand year reign and into eternity after that. That is fact. That's truth. Regardless of what you think at this point in time. It's truth. But not only will... We will reign with him. Notice he says, if we deny him, he he also will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. This is such a beautiful truth. This is a wonderful worship song that was sung during their period of time. They would, can you picture a, a tune to this and singing it over and over to remind them of this faithful truths of God. The expression of their heart, of knowing that, the, that if we die with Him, we shall live, also live with Him. If we endure, we will also, shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also deny us, and if we are faithless, he still remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Let's look at each of these as we draw a closure here. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. The song begins with the promise of the resurrection to those who have died with Jesus. If we're dying for Jesus, we're surrendering our lives to Jesus, We will also live with him, not only in heaven, but presently. Now, some people say, well, how do you die for him? Well, the Bible speaks of a couple of places about dying with Jesus in two ways. We see the first one in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. It's the most common to all Christians as an illustration, and that is by baptism. Each of us can have a life after death experience with Jesus seeing that our old life, our old life before we gave our life to Jesus, that old life where you just live for yourself, you've, you've died of that. I no longer want to live for myself, I live for God now. But the old life is before you gave your life to Jesus. You're sitting there and at that old life has ended with Jesus on the cross. You've accepted the fact that he is your substitute on that cross. You and I were destined to be on the cross, to die for our own sin. But Jesus said, I'll take your place. Why? Because he loves you. Why? He created you for a personal relationship to have a relationship with you now and into eternity. So we see the fact that the first one is that when you do the baptism and when you're completely submerged under, you're burying the old life and you're coming out of that baptism of that water, coming out of the new life, the new man. That's one way of illustration of dying to self and coming out new the other way in the bible speaks of dying with jesus is of course the sense of martyrdom, of paying the ultimate price for following jesus and this is probably what paul was referring to because he right there as he's writing this remember he is about to be executed and he knows it But he knows by dying he's, he has life. He has eternal life. He also says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. The song ensures to the people and to us that the faithful believer of eternal reward. I know if I just keep going and keep following Jesus and know that he's coming back, I'm going to receive a reward. I'm going to win. I'm going to finish the mission. And this principle assures us of our present difficulty or trial that we're going through is worth every minute of the pain and suffering that we'll go through. Because the reward is greater than one might gain from quitting. We see that we will reign with him. Our future destiny is completely laid out for us to understand that it is going to get much better after this world. That's why we can keep going in this world, because we're in the world but not part of the world. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. And then Paul, and this this song also warns those who are... Understanding for the very first time and hearing that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior, the only way you can be saved and have eternal life. He says to them here, if, you, if we deny him, he also will deny us. And that's a very sobering statement here. Because the song warns those who deny Jesus to those who's decided repeatedly, I want nothing to do with Jesus. I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with this heaven thing and eternal hopes and all this other stuff. I, want my, I love my life and I want this life and I've got everything I want to get from this life. That's what he's speaking to here. Those who deny over and over and over and want nothing, I completely walk away from this conversation. understand what your decision you're making if you're denying if you deny Jesus he will also deny you that means you don't have eternal life with God you will pay the penalty for your sin Jesus said it plainly in Matthew 10:33 But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I didn't say this. The scripture says this. This is God's word. And so I truly hope right now as you're hearing my voice, you're not saying, I want nothing to do with Jesus and this whole thing about Dying of self for Christ and following him. I don't, nothing to do with that. I'm just fine. I really hope no one who's hearing my voice right now is saying that. Because you're, that's the most foolish, foolish conversation you're having with yourself right now that you will ever have. Because you're seeding your, potentially you're seeding your, your fate eternity to hell. And I don't want that. That's why God has brought you here. That's why God has have you listening to this if it's later. He's brought you to the listening of this message because he wants you to surrender your life, die of yourself, and pick up your cross, meaning follow him. You need to be forgiven, my brothers. You need to be given, my sister, and be set free. He sets here at the last part of this verse, verse 13. If we are faithless, oh, there's so many times we're not faithful, are we not? We fall short. Even as a Christian, we fall short. He says, if we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful. He can't deny himself. That's his nature. That's who he is. He can't, he doesn't change. God is always going to be Faithful even when we are faithless. We cannot deny Jesus. And we must keep our faithfulness to Him. And there are times as a Christian you've given your life over and then you didn't do anything with it. You didn't mature. You didn't grow. And you choose, chose to kind of slide away from that starting of that, that relationship with Christ. You said, I want to be saved. I want that fire insurance, but I don't want to have to live the life that he's asking me to live. Let me, this, is, this, this part of the scripture here is talking to you. You're saved. You have that eternal hope, but you've chosen to kind of drift off And do your own thing again. You've decided to go back like the dog to his vomit, the scripture says, and you go back to the old life of the old man, the old woman. Now, never such an old woman, just an old man. (laughs) I almost said old (laughs) man. It's only old men that go back, right? (laughs) Sorry, ladies. But that speaks to us. That even though you may not be faithful in your, your walk with your Savior, He still shows up for you. He still is trying to get your attention and He's still is trying to speak to your heart to encourage you to come back like the prodigal son. If you remember this, the story of the prodigal son, the father loved his son. And his son made it very clear, I don't want anything to do with this family, dad. I don't want any of this. Just give me my stuff. I just want what I can get out of you. And I'm leaving. I'm going to go into the world and live like the world. And he spent it all on the world. And what happened to him? He found himself feeding and eating alongside the pigs the slop of the world. But the scripture says one thing that I want to encourage you with. If that's where you find yourself as a prodigal son or daughter, you had a relationship there that was so close, and then you walked away from that relationship and went back to the world. In that, go back and read it today. The key word here is, The prayer and everyone who loves you as a believer will be praying for you to come back to Jesus. And the word is this, that the prodigal son will come to his senses. That's a very dramatic moment right there. The hope is that anyone who walks away from a close relationship with God will come back to their senses. And we know the story, right? The prodigal son did come back to his senses. He realized his father back home loved him and was faithful to him, even though he was not to his father. And he said, it was better for me to go and be a servant and my father's house than sitting here dying in the slop of the world of pigsty. He came to his senses and said, I got to go back. To my father. And what did he expect? He thought like the enemy always tells people. Oh they'll never accept you back. Oh God has forg- has given up on you man. Why do you even try to go back to him? It's just, a, it's just a lie from the pit of hell. Prodigal son came back. And what did dad do? Dad ran to him. And embraced him. And clothed him with. them with is a, what we would call a robe of righteousness. And then threw a party for them. It's like a one sheep that has strayed away. But didn't get eaten up by the wolves. But was able to be found and brought back. What a celebration that it is when someone does come back. Who has walked away. Remember, the Christian can stand faithful as God empowers them. Even if one has been wavering, one has been just quirky and just unfaithful and just never, his, his yes is never his yes. It's always a maybe or yes, and, but really means no. But the Spirit of God can turn you around And bring you back to a faithful God who saved you. And we can come back and know that he's going to love us. And he's always loved us. And he's always been faithful to try to bring you, or get your attention to bring you back and come to your senses. And I pray if that's speaking to anyone's heart today, you will surrender all and come back. And be embraced by your loving Savior. And finally, verse 14, we see how to keep our attention. Timothy, you must keep the attention on this. Focus, 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 Timothy. Don't be distracted by unprofitable things, Timothy. He says, remind them, remind anyone who will listen. Remind them of these things. Charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Now some of you know exactly what that meant right there. That sometimes as you're trying to focus on God, you're trying to move forward and and, and mature and grow in your relationship with God. That there are people that want to come and argue and debate over the word of God. You've got the legalistics on one side who says you're not following every little detail in some way that doesn't even pertain to the word of God. They've added to the word of God. Then you've got the pendulum swing of people over here who want to swing off anything they can. You can do and live however you want and God loves you. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't get distracted by these people who come in and just constantly are arguing over the most trivial things of the scripture. Do you realize the division within the church body is over words that have no value at all in their argument? They all agree Jesus Christ is the only way you can get saved and go to to heaven. But there's a vision because they want to argue over other things that are not as important. They argue over the unessential versus keeping toward the core of the essential truths. But that's how the enemy works. Paul says to Timothy, do not strive with these type of people. Don't listen to them. Don't even pay attention to them. Because all they're doing to do is keep you from doing what God's called you to do, and that is get the good news out there. And you'll be distracted on the ministry that you've been called. And notice at the end of verse 14, if you do, it will bring ruin of the hearers. If you don't stay focused on the truth of the Word of God, do not add to the Word of God and do not take away from the Word of God, which is warned to us in Genesis. But look at what we're seeing at the pulpits today. People are adding and subtracting from the Word of God. It's happening everywhere, my brothers and sisters. I don't know if you've been around other churches. I'm not talking about just even this community. If you've gone somewhere else in the United States and have been watching on the YouTubes and trying to heap up peers for yourself on on YouTubes. It is rare to people who are teaching the Word of God today. They're just teachings to get your ear, to tickle your ear so that you will be loyal to them and not to Jesus. The church is constantly tempted to get its focus off the message that really matters to someone's life. They've become entertainment centers. Churches have become some social service agency. Some churches that only um, cater to the rich and famous so that they can coddle to and, and feed into their egos of admiration society. And a number of other things. But we must, Timothy, resist these things. Remember these things, Timothy. Don't get distracted by them. There's two things that he reminds him, and I'll, I'll, I'll remind you this morning, and that is verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And the second thing is verses 11 through 13. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we deny him, he, sh- he will also deny us. If we endure, he- we shall also reign with him. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. These things, Timothy, continue to stay focused in teaching the people and remind them over and over and over. Timothy, you must focus. Those who are listening, that's, you need to be reminded of these things. I know there are some, I I got, I get this. I used to be the same way in the early part of my life when I wasn't mature as a Christian. I'd hear the gospel message say, I just heard that like five times over over the last few, you know, couple months. Why is he talking about the gospel and going to, it's okay. It's okay. You can can have that little gymnastic. You just need to mature as a Christian. If you keep showing up, you'll mature, and you'll understand the value in understanding. You have a living relationship with a living Savior. The God of the universe loves you and wants to help you. Why would you not want to be reminded of that Especially if you're going through some really difficult times in your life. Let me finish it with this. Like a pastor, I'll tell you I'm going to finish about 10 more times. But let me finish this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to disappoint you today. <laughs> you're expecting me to do this. You know, that's how it works. But the Lord's telling me right now to tell you this. It's not about you, right this is what I want you to do. I know your whole life is perfect. You've got it all dialed in. I understand that. But for those who, who do, please go out and share with your buddy, with your best friend, your neighbor, your, your relative, whoever is across your path. They desperately need to hear good news. If you're not saying this doesn't pertain to me, this message, I've saved, I'm good, okay, got that. Get over the pride and go share that with someone who is hurting and lost and going to hell. Can you do that? Can you do the one good Samaritan thing as God leads you to tell them that this whole life that they think is not worth living? Is worth living because it's temporary, because you will have, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you will have eternity with Him. Do you know how many people? I'm not even gonna go over the statistics today. How many people died by suicide on the average today? Do you know that's climbing at a very scary rate? Because when you take God out of everything, you have Darkness. And when there's darkness, there's emptiness. And when there's emptiness, there's no hope. And when there's no hope, someone will come to a point of making a decision that they'd rather die than live. You want to solve the suicide rate? They need to start a relationship with Jesus, and that solves our problem. And guess how God does that? Through you and through me. That's how God, that's why as a believer, and you're still here on this earth, is because he wants you to share the good news until he comes and takes you home. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you to giving Paul your word, to give to Timothy who gave... Even today, <laughs> to read the scripture and to see the fact that Paul says your word is not bound. It's not restricted. It's so proven even today after thousands of years, we're reading that letter even to today. And your promises are sure. And I pray today, Lord, lives have been changed encouraged and that we you will send us out outside this building because this is just where we come back to get doctored up (laughs) to to get fed to be encouraged to be understanding that uh, we're not going crazy the world's going crazy but we're not going crazy we know exactly who we are in Christ we know exactly where we're going when we're absent from this body, from this world where we're going to be in your presence. We have all full assurity. But now, give us the strength, the empower to go out and share this good news with others who are dying and are lost and wandering in the dark. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, many men.